This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced into playing the guitar because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressure to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk on this February 16th. Man, we've got a great show in store for you. Before we move on to it, I just want to let you know that if you want to see the unedited version of this interview today with my guest, Walter Trout, you can go over to guitartalkofficial.com and subscribe to Guitar Talk TV. You'll not only get the unedited episodes in video format, but we also have a lot of special programming. We just released the newest addition to the series Business of Guitar with Billy Sheenan on Monday, so a lot going on there. Now, today my guest is, you know, one of the, the biggest names in blues rock. He's been around forever. Huge influence on a lot of people from Joe Bonamassa to yours truly. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down. He was at his home in Denmark, and we got to talk about his gear and a lot of things that we normally don't get to talk about outside of touring and album releases and that. So, you know, my guest today is the one and only Walter Trout. So put your feet up, get a nice cool beverage, and enjoy this conversation with blues rock legend Walter Trout with me right here on Guitar Talk. Hello. Hey, Walter. How are you? Good, Jimmy. What's going on? Not much. I appreciate you taking some time. No problem. I'm going to try to get a better angle on this, this thing. Hold on. You so see more than my chin. <laughs> and lean it on a jar full of muesli here. Let's see if this works. That's a little bit better, isn't it? Yeah, it's not the bottom of your chin no more. <laughs> Which chin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you got them named? <laughs> you got a name for each well, You know, it's like count the chins, win a prize, you know? <laughs> How you been? I'm doing okay, man. I'm, I'm yeah. like uh, looking at those guitars behind you. Someone look pretty nice. Yeah, well, thank you very much. You know, you can uh, pat yourself on the back for helping inspire yet another person to pick up the guitar. So, uh, you know, which well, I thank you, man. For. Yeah, well, you got a lot, a lot of pedals there too. We got a whole wall full of them. Oh uh, well, I think I think I've got over four hundred pedals. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm at sixty eight guitars. Holy shit. Yeah, I just sold a few. I, I'm at that place where I won't get one unless I sell one, you know? <laughs> well, I'm, I've got four pedals. And <laughs> I, think, I think they're all tuners. <laughs> so, 
Well, you know, you've been a guy that's pretty much always gone straight to the, to the amp, right? I mean, yeah, pretty, you know, since I started with Boogie, um, back when I was with John Mayall, mm-hmm. um, I, I just plug into a boogie and turn the gain up and off you go, you know? Yeah. And you're, you're playing through what a, a Mark four or a Mark five. Um, it depends on how I'm feeling. Yeah. I got a one, I got a two, I got a three, yeah. four and a five. Actually, I have a bunch, a bunch of boogies cause I've been, um, endorsed by boogie since i was with mayall so we're going on 35 years or something so yeah um my garage kind of looks like a mesa boogie outlet you know <laughs> and now have you have you played the uh, fillmore the new i fillmore? have and i loved it yeah i've got the 20 watt version i absolutely love it myself yeah 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 and so so how do you feel now that mesa boogie is not really Mesa Boogie no more. Now it's a part of the Gibson family. Well, they're, they're still Mesa Boogie. It's the same yeah. people. They're still yeah. making the same amps. I think um, what has happened is they, they have a lot more advertising going. They have a lot more. Um, they're more visible out there. Yeah. I, I know that on social media, I see a lot more from Mesa Boogie than I used to see, you know. And um, I, I think it's just causing their company to grow, which I think is great. But I, I've known everybody there. You know, I've gone to dinner with Randall Smith a couple of times and um, they're all still there and they're all still making their amps exactly the same way. They haven't really changed. And I, I think um, from the people that I know, that run that company and that work there, they're very proud of what they make. They're very, um, they take pride in making a beautiful product and they're not going to let that product suffer or, or detract from the quality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. um, I think it's probably a good move for them, you know? Yeah, I I think so too. I I was kind of curious about it in the beginning because I, I like Boogie myself. I've got a Mark II and a Lone Star and then the Fillmore. And uh, and I met with JC, you know, from Gibson uh, yeah. last summer. And, and, you know, that was one of the questions that I had for them guys. You know, is this just something that's just going to kind of be shelved and or is it something that's going to continue to flourish? And I think, you know, it seems like the people at Gibson are really doing everything they can to make it, you know, a, a more of a world-class brand that it's been and it's always been a great amp i mean it's always been world-class but they're they're getting the profile out there more you know it's been a very um um kind of niche product and i think it's becoming now a little more mainstream with this and um i i think that's a good thing i mean i i was a little worried when they got bought and I thought about this joke that my old best friend and my bass player, the late great Jimmy Trapp, who was a car aficionado. And when um, Mercedes Benz um, merged with Chrysler, yeah. I remember Jimmy telling me, you're either going to get a really good Chrysler or a really shitty Mercedes Benz. <laughs> you know, that was his big joke. And um, 
I was kind of worried about that with, with Gibson, but I'm not anymore. I think they're doing a good job with Boogie. Yeah, I, th- I think that company is really, I mean, Gibson as a whole, I think has really turned around and changed. Now, you know what, you've, you've been locked into the Boogie your entire career, it seems like, but you've also been locked into the Fender Strat. I don't think I've yeah. ever, I don't think I've ever seen you play anything else. I'm sure you have, but I've never seen it. And uh, when, when you look at when you kind of research you and that one of the, the things that's been, you know, foremost for you is the 73 strat. Well, that's, that's my old strat that, that I bought right off the shelf when I got to California. Um, my first gig in California um, when I got there, I was the stand-up lead singer in a country western band, <laughs> and uh, I went and heard this band, and they were these amazing musicians. A lot of them played with Dolly Parton at the time, but nobody could could sing. And I got I was pretty pretty uh, lubed up one night, and I went up to them and said, "Hey, let me sing." I said, "I know every song." by Hank Williams, Buck Owens, Merle Haggard, Patsy Cline. I know every one. Let me sing one. And I got up with them and I sang I Fall to Pieces. And they said, "Okay, you're the stand up lead singer. And I went, well, I'm also a guitar player. Can I play guitar? They said, no, we got guitar players. We need a singer. So when I got my first paycheck from that band, I went and bought that old that white Strat. And um, that was my guitar for years and years and years. And um, it's really beat to hell now. You know, I really did a job on that thing, but um, I don't take it on the road anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have a couple of 73s or just the one? I I have a few. Yeah. Yeah, I have a few of them. I'm a guy that if conventional wisdom or hype, tells me I'm supposed to do a certain thing or like a certain thing. I do just the opposite. And when, when all the, uh, you know, the, the pundits were telling me that 70 strats suck. That's why I went and got, okay, I'm going to get 70 strats. I never saw Lowell George playing a vintage strat. He always was playing a brand new strat. I never saw Jimi Hendrix playing a 54 Strat because, well, of course he was setting them on fire or something, but, um, <laughs> you know, um, so I always um, just did what I'm sort of uh, people think you shouldn't do. Right. Um, I'm the guy who in the blues likes to play too many notes, you know? So um, that's that old guitar though. Like I said, I bought it brand new in um 73 so we're looking at what's that 49 years now something like that yeah and um it, i wouldn't take 10 million bucks for it. it it is a one of a kind and it plays beautifully and sounds spectacular and it's all stock yeah yeah that was going to be my next question you know you you seem to be uh i don't i don't know what the word would be but um, forgive me for using this word, but when it comes to your gear, you seem to be a purist. If you get an amp, that's the amp and you don't really do anything to it. Are you the same way with the guitars? I mean, if you get a guitar, do you, do you have a thing now where you, you modify them got to have certain pickups or certain, 
you know, pots or certain kind of electronics, or are you just a stock guy? What it is is what it is. Well, there are a couple of mods I like to do on all my strats. Number one is I take the tone control off the, um, what is it? The neck pickup. And I put it on the bridge pickup so that I can roll some highs off because on a stock strap, there's no tone control on the bridge pickup. That's right. the first thing I do. But um, I do go through problems with volume pots because I play all the time with this pinky wrapped around my volume button. Mm -hmm. And I'm using that volume button constantly, even while soloing, you know, and um, I, I have to have a specific kind of volume button, which is very, very linear. And when you put the guitar on one, you barely hear it. And then you get the guitar on two, it comes up a little. And a lot of volume pots will be where you get the guitar on three and it still hasn't made a sound. And all of a sudden you get it around four and it goes, bah, you know, right. and that, that doesn't work for me because I, um, I basically set my boogies on channel three with a lot of gain and I control the overdrive and the cleanliness with the volume on the guitar. I'm very old school. And let me tell you where that comes from, Jimmy. When I, I I've been at this now playing in bars and clubs and playing in front of people since 1969. So uh, what's that? 53 years now. Yeah. And when I was coming up through bars and I was in all these bar bands, nothing was mic'd except the vocals. And the way you created some balance in that room, when you were playing rhythm, you turned your guitar down. Yeah. When you were going to play a solo and the solo needed to be over the band, you turned the guitar up. You controlled the balance yourself. The, the, the instruments were not mic'd. You're, you're a blues rock band or a cover band and you're playing in a bar for people to dance. That's where I came out of. And um, I, I just still do that. You know, my sound man, I think, has a pretty easy job because once he gets the balance set for my band, I'm controlling the volume of the solos with that volume button. You know, and it's just old school, man. I I just find it so much easier to just keep doing it that way. And I I've tried other approaches and I've tried other stuff. And I just go back to to my comfort zone with that, you know. Mm -hmm. And doesn't doesn't it feel like uh, you get a better you get a better sound that way than you do if you're trying to manipulate it with maybe a, a volume pedal or a boost pedal or something like that. It seems like you get a much better tone to me when you're, when you are controlling it through your volume, as opposed to using those external things. Well, I, I, I think so too. And I also, I'm kind of known. One of the things I love to do is volume swells on the guitar and, um, you know, I, I've got to have that volume pot work well to do that technique. And and I will go to my guitar guy for 40 years is, is Doc Patillo in Fountain Valley, California, the guitar doctor. And sometimes 
he will sit in his shop with me. He'll, he'll solder in a volume pot. We'll string the thing up. I'll put it through an amp. I'll go like this. I go, nope, man, that ain't it. He takes that one out. We put another one in and we'll sit there for four or five hours till we get it right, you know, and God bless him for that. He's got the patience, but we go back, we go back 45 years, he and I, and, um, but so he knows I'll call him up, say, Hey doc, man, it's the volume pot. And he'll go, okay, I have the afternoon free. Come on in, you know, and then we sit there and keep putting them in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the things that that you're a standout player for. That's one of the things that's most recognizable about you as a player is your volume swells. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a a few people this morning, just letting them know we were talking about the fact that I was going to be talking to you and 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 everybody that was in this group that was talking almost every single one of them mentioned your volume swells because that's just something that you've always been stand out for from, from, from way back in that. And as a matter of fact, I know from my own, my own personal perspective, it's one of the things that, that made me learn how to do that was from watching you do it because yeah. it sounds so, so amazing. You know, it always sounds. Oh, well, thanks man. I, I, there's a few, um, how can I put this? I, I sort of came up with that in certain ways. When I was a kid, um, I was a mega fan of Roy Buchanan and he was playing around the East Coast and it was only guitar players that knew about him. And he was playing around in Jersey and in Philadelphia and Delaware and D.C. And I lived in South Jersey and me and my friends would go to see him. And there were times we were so young. One time we drove to, um, I think it was called the Crossroads Tavern in Bladensburg, Maryland. And we were not allowed in because we were underage. So they let us stand out in the parking lot and they opened the front door of the club so that we could listen to Roy and he would come out on the breaks and he'd hang out with us. And, um, you know, we smoke a joint with him. And uh, we talk guitars. And um, so he he really kind of gave me the idea of working on that, you know. But one of the things I I tried to do when I was kind of sitting around as a teenager was was if I have a guitar and an amp, how many weird sounds can I get out of this thing? Am I able to make it sound like other instruments? I developed a technique as a kid where I could, um, with the volume button and manipulating the pickups, I could make it sound like a violin or I could make it sound like a flute. Mm. And I even developed a technique of playing with these fingers and sounding like a five string banjo. And I could play Earl Scruggs stuff. You know, it'd been a long time since I've done that, but I used to sit around and just go, what can I make this thing sound like? And this is before pedals. There yeah. were, they, pedals weren't existing then, you know. And um, so that was kind of a fun thing. And, and the volume button, mani- manipulating the volume button and the pickups. Um, I could make the guitar sound like I was using a wah-wah pedal by turning the tone off on the neck pickup 
turning it completely off, all the highs out, and while playing with one hand, manipulating the setting of the pickups and going from the neck pickup to the bridge pickup with the licks I was playing, and it sounded like a wah-wah. And it was just um, it was just fun to experiment, you know? Yeah. Now, now today, now I gotta wonder, you know, you're Walter Trout, you, you know, you've you've done everything when it comes to, you know, being in the blues and blues rock world. I mean, you've you've accomplished so much. So the question is, are are you a guy that still today, when you're sitting around the house, has a guitar in his hand? Or have those days gone by and now, you know, the only time you really play is, you know, when you're doing a gig or maybe rehearsing for a gig or something. Okay. Let me tell you a little story. When the pandemic kicked in and I had to cancel almost the whole year of work and I came to our house in Denmark here, I'm in Denmark right now. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a little house here in a national park on the edge of a little fishing village of 500 people. Um, If you want to go to a movie, it's 90 miles away. The nearest supermarket is 30 miles away. We are out in the boondocks here. We feel very safe, but sitting on the couch for 18 months, um, I sat there and I was going online every day and, and looking at little online guitar lessons. What, what new technique can I learn? You know, and um, just recently, two days ago, I bought a little miniature Vox amp to use that has all these different little amp models on it and it has effects built in but it has a little drum machine built in. Yeah. So I was sitting in my back room today, putting on like the rock beat and trying to write songs. So yes, I do play guitar. I still enjoy it. I find it limitless. The more I know, the more I realize that I don't know shit. And if I sit down and listen to somebody like Jeff Beck, I realize I don't know anything. And it makes me want to learn more, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that's inspiring when you hear, you know, somebody at the caliber that you're at, Walter, that say, you know, I, I love the guitar and I, you know, it's something that is still, you know, important to me because I know some people when they get to a place of notoriety and, and that in their career, you know, it kind of goes away. You Maybe the collecting of it doesn't. But, you know, the the buying the little lamp and sitting on the porch and, you know, and using it to create songs and stuff, a lot of that kind of, you know, for some people goes away. So it's really inspiring, you know. Is, to hear. Isn't that sad, though? Yeah, it is. I mean, is. I mean, if you're only in this because you want to achieve some sort of fame or some level of financial security through it or something, I can see that happening. But if it's something that you dearly love mm-hmm. and something that you are driven to do, mm-hmm. I don't see how you would ever stop because it truly is the, the only limits on music is your imagination. What can you think up to play? And that's why I come back to Jeff Beck. Yeah. He doesn't shred. He's like, it's not about shredding. Jimi Hendrix was not about shredding. 
you, he, you yeah. don't, I mean, he didn't even really try to play fast either as Jeff. It's about innovation and tone. And it's about what can you think up that is going to be unique only to you, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the whole thing with Jeff is he, he is so incredibly unique in what he thinks up to play. And then he figures out how to do it. And that's what inspires me as, because, you know, as my dear friend, Steve Lukather says, these days you can go on YouTube and there's a seven-year-old with a Les Paul ripping everybody a new asshole and playing at the speed of light. You know, that there's a million guys can do that. It's about being creative Mm-hmm. It's about trying to come up with something that that is your own individual voice in all this. And that that takes a lot of work and dedication. All right. So we've been talking to uh, blues rock legend Walter Trout today. I want to thank Walter so much for taking time, you know, out of his life to spend with us to share, you know, his insight and his gear and his thoughts and it's an always a, a great opportunity to talk to somebody with such knowledge and such history. And so, uh, of course, you know, do yourself a favor. Make sure you're following Walter on social media. Also, make sure that, you know, when he comes around, you go see him play live. And, you know, the whole spiel. Get his records, buy his T-shirts, support live music and support musicians like Walter. Uh, Everybody needs that. And so uh, it was a really good conversation. I mean, there's much more to it, of course, uh, outside of the podcast. So if you want the full unedited uh, version of this uh, interview with Walter, you can get it in video form at Guitar Talk TV. All you got to do is go to guitartalkofficial.com and subscribe, and uh, you get it, man. A lot of great interviews, unedited interviews, a lot of great special programming on there right now. We've got the series, The Business of Guitar, that's on there. We just released a new episode, like I said, at the onset of this uh, with Billy Sheenan. And that, and we've got Carl Verhey next Monday on the business of guitar. So uh, next week, my guest right here on Guitar Talk is going to be Chad Magnum from uh, the amp company, Sine Wave. Now, Chad used to work for uh, Two Rock. Well, actually, he started out making cabinets, and he ended up selling cabinets to Two Rock, and then he ended up going to Two Rock, and he was with Two Rock amplifiers for a long time before he decided to go out on his own. And uh, he sent me a prototype amp called uh, the Apex R and uh, to do a demo on to check it out, you know, because he wanted my opinion on it. And I spent some time with it. And then after I did that, we just went ahead and did an interview to talk about what's going on with this amp because it was a really nice amp. And I thought, you know, people should know about it. So, uh, you know, and it's not... It's not a two-rock John Mayer-type amp by any means. Uh, it's definitely something that somebody can use in a wide variety of applications, you know, from live to studio. It's a great studio amp, I think. But uh, anyway, Chad is going to be with us next week, so uh, you want to make sure that you're going to 
tune into that. Also, you know, do yourself a favor. Go over to guitartalkofficial.com. Sign up for our newsletter so that you can stay, you know, uh, abreast to everything that's going on on Guitar Talk. And, uh, you know, while you're there, you might as well pick up a T-shirt. <laughs> right? Why not? Might as well have a T-shirt. Now, I get asked sometimes, you know, you know, Jimmy, you know, what are you doing? You know, where are you playing at? What's going on? Uh, I want to let you know that if you're, you know, interested in that information, I've got a couple of websites that you can go to. One is jimmywarrenofficial.com. That is my personal uh, website for my own music. Uh, in case you didn't know, I've got nine albums out. And as a matter of fact, my last album was done with Walter Trout's band. Yeah, I even did one of Walter Trout's tunes. So that tells you what kind of an influence Walter's had on me. But uh, you go to Guitar Talk, I mean, uh, jimmywarrenofficial.com, and there's all kinds of information uh, there on me. You know, there's music, there's bios, there's videos. I do these at-home jams and all kinds of stuff over there. And then my new project, which is the Gilmore Experience, which is a David Gilmore tribute. Uh, you can go to gilmoreexperience.com. And that's where you can uh, get information. The next show that I'm doing is April 14th at the Red Flag in St. Louis. Um, opening up with Harry Mura. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He was the guitarist for the Halo video game series. Harry and I are opening up for Eric Gales at the uh, Red Flag in St. Louis on Thursday, April 14th. It's going to be guitar extravaganza. It's going to be absolutely crazy. Anyway, you can get all the information at either of those websites. Or, you know, you can always follow me on social media. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Guitar Talk today. Again, for the full episode of this, you can go to Guitar Talk TV at guitartalkofficial.com. Until next week with my guest, Chad Magnum, I'm Jimmy Warren. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>